I'm super pumped to uh, get you guys excited for one of our very own Riley Barr. Come on down! Woo! Super Bowl! <laughs> Riley, if you can't tell, we're super excited that you're going to be bringing the word to us tonight. Before you go ahead and jump into it, we're going to go ahead and pray for you, and then uh, uh, we'll go ahead and get started. So, let's pray for him. Jesus, thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much for this man. It has been such an honor and a privilege to be able to see him grow up and to see the man that, that you've uh, shaped him into, Lord. I pray that tonight your Holy Spirit would just be in him and through him, Lord, that your words would be spoken and that it would latch onto our hearts, God. We praise you, thank you, in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Hello, everybody. It's good to be here. It's my first time being up here by myself. It's a little weird. I'm just gonna get comfortable. Uh, if you don't, wait, did I already say my name? My name is Riley, if you don't know me. Um, I've been going to this church for most of my life. And uh, my family, I consider this place my family. All my best friends are here. So I'm really honored to be here to be able to talk to you today. Um, this is week three of the student-led sermons. And the title, as you can see up there, is just as he said, Prophecy and Fulfillment. And so today I'm going to talk to you about how to be a part of God's plan. And that means doing what God tells you to do. Um, it's clear as day that in this youth group, God is moving powerfully. Um, and I want to help encourage you guys today to be a part of what God's doing. He's moving powerfully, and the way that we join him is by um, joining what God's doing. So um, God's plan is for all of you. doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are. God has a purpose and a plan for each one of you, and I fully believe that. So today, um, I want to make sure this is relevant. So raise your hand if you want to be a part of God's plan. Okay, most of you. Some of you don't. It's okay. Uh, so if you raise your hand, it's relevant. If you didn't raise your hand, I'll get to you guys at the end. I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. Um, so uh, the first verse is Matthew chapter 16. Can we get there? It's verses 21 and 23. Um, and it says, From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many things, or terrible things, at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day he would be raised from the dead. Um, but Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said. These things will never happen to you. And Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me, and you are seeing things merely from a human point of view and not from God's. And um, we all know how the story ends, or at least I hope. Jesus was eventually led away to be crucified, and there he died on the cross. But luckily, it didn't end there. Three days later, he was risen from the grave. Um, so that's pretty good. But in that passage, we can see that uh, Jesus makes his plan clear to the, to the disciples. Peter doesn't like it, but it still happens. So we know that when God says something's going to happen, it happens. Uh, let's go to Isaiah 14, 27. It says, The Lord of heaven's armies has spoken. Who can change his plans? When his hand is raised, who can stop him? So when God says something's going to happen— it happens. It always happens, and this is actually a good thing because it means we can trust him when he says something. Um, so we don't want to be like Peter 
And what did Peter do? He missed what God was doing for many reasons. He didn't understand. He didn't like it. He was afraid. This guy that he spent three years with is telling him he's going to go be tortured to death. It's not good news, generally speaking. Uh, So today, I'm going to try and help you understand how we can be less like Peter and more like Jesus. So this is my uh, whole premise of the message. And if you don't take away anything else from tonight, I want you to hear this one thing. If you want to be a part of God's plan, you have to submit to his will. Say that again. If you want to be a part of God's plan, you have to submit to his will. The truth is, God does not need us at all, but he invites us to join him because he loves us. God has given all of you choice. Each of you have the own choice to make in your life, and it's the most important choice in your life. Either you're going to join what God's doing, or you're going to do whatever you want. <laughs> and I, I really want to help steer you guys towards the right and obvious option, I hope. Um, so, but if we are going to join Jesus, it requires all of our hearts. He demands your whole heart and not just parts of it. You're not going to get by in the faith by having one foot in the world and one foot in Jesus. It has to be all of your being is put into Jesus, and that's how you can be used by him and be a part of his plan. And so, like I said, if you want to be a part of God's plan, you have to submit to his will. And so what are the implications of that? And um, the first implication of submitting to God's will means that sometimes you will do things that you don't want to do. You're going to have to do things you don't want to do, people. Um, (laughs) The same way Peter didn't want to, like that Jesus um, said he was going to die. It's the same way we're going to have to do things we don't want to do. It's just part of it. And as I was thinking about this point, I was reminded of the story of Jonah, which you may have seen the VeggieTales uh, (laughs) episode or something. It's very good. Love VeggieTales. So in the story of Jonah, Jonah is a prophet, and... God assigns him to go preach to the people of Nineveh. And so Jonah hears God clearly tell him to go this way. And Jonah says, okay, I hear you, God. I'm going to go this way. So he hops on the nearest ship and sails opposite direction. And as he's sailing away late at night, big storms are brewing. And everyone's freaking out on the boat except him. He's sound asleep. And they finally wake him up, interrogate him. And they, they immediately knew that it must have been someone that angered God. That's why the storm's happening. And so Jonah finally admits that it was him. They made God angry, and so they're like, okay, what do we do? He's like, well, I could either say, you know what, God, I'll do what you asked me to do and preach to Nineveh, or you can throw me over the edge and kill me. And that's what he um, decided to do. So they threw him over reluctantly. And as he was sinking, I guess he's imagining himself just slowly floating down. He's like, well, I guess this is it, Lord. And then out of nowhere, a whale or fish comes to swallow him, where he spends the next three days inside of a fish. And after three days, he finally decides, okay, Lord, I'll do it. So he prays and repents to God, and then he's released from the fish. He goes and preaches to Nineveh, kind of half-heartedly, but we don't need to get into that stuff. Uh, So the moral of the story is God asked Jonah to do something, and Jonah really didn't want to do it, so he did everything in his power to get out of the way. He was even was willing to spend three days inside of a fish before he was like, okay, Lord, I'm sorry, I'll I'll, I'll go do it. He spent three days inside before— he was like, okay, I'll do it. It's shocking, but uh, I believe in our own lives we can do this in similar ways. Smaller, less dramatic. Not getting in a fish. But uh, the story raises questions for your own life, such as are there any areas in your life where you are running from God, from what God is calling you to? Sorry, let me say that again. 
Are there any areas in your life where you're running from what God is calling you to? Maybe it's a sin pattern. Maybe you're struggling with addiction or simply just obeying your parents. Don't like parents telling you what to do. Uh, Maybe God's calling you to pray for somebody and you decided not to because you were a little scared. Maybe dating somebody you shouldn't date. Um, Hanging with the wrong people. Uh, That's awkward. (laughs) Um, Maybe you're metaphorically trapped in the fish like Jonah was. In the story, you can see clearly that um, it wasn't until Jonah prayed and repented that he was released from the fish. So maybe in your own life, you feel like you can't hear from God. Maybe you feel trapped. And I, I encourage you to reflect what's the last thing God told you. Because Jonah was ignoring what God told him to do. So if you feel like you're not here for God, remember the last thing that God told you and ask yourself, did I do that? And the odds are, if you're struggling with um, not hearing him, you probably didn't obey the last thing he told you to do. Not all the time, but some of the time. So if we're going to um, be a part of what God's doing, we have to do things that we don't want to do. All right, are you with me? It's point number one. All right, point number two, submitting to God's will sometimes means doing things that you don't understand. There it is. It's kind of like the story of Peter and Jesus. Peter didn't understand why Jesus was telling him he was going to be led away to be crucified. That kind of makes no sense because this whole time Peter's been thinking in his mind that Jesus was going to be the Messiah that overthrew Rome. And he was wrong because actually Jesus came to do the opposite and that was to serve people and die for the people. And so, this, in the same way that Peter didn't understand, I think uh, the American church has failed at this in some ways. Uh, many people these days will read their Bible, and they'll read an obvious biblical truth, and they'll decide it doesn't align to their own moral values. So they'll say, you know what, God? I think you're wrong about this. I'm right. I just don't believe that. I think you're wrong. Okay? And as Christians, we believe that the, the Bible is the Word of God, which means that's objective truth. You can't change it just because your feelings tell you. And that is kind of a tough pill to swallow sometimes because in my own life, there's um, things that I don't want to do that God tells me to do. Like the other day, um, I was mad at my, slightly angry at my dad. <laughs> You're in here. You're in here. And I remember like asking myself, like, why do I have to forgive? It's like, I don't understand this. But the truth is, Jesus calls me to submit or to forgive, and so I submit to him and say, all right, your way over mine, Lord. Um, I don't always do that. That was just a, one good time in my life. <laughs> Another thing is, uh, some, so I talked about people not liking what the Bible says, and so they'll evaluate the Bible, or they'll read the Bible, evaluate it, and then match it up with their beliefs. But the correct way to read the Bible is actually letting it evaluate your own life. We don't read the Bible so that we can um, be better Christians. We read the Bible so—wait, actually, sorry. We read the Bible so that God can edify us. Sorry. All right. um, And also thinking about the point of submitting to God means we're going to have to do things we don't understand. It reminded me of the story of Job. And I don't know if you guys have heard this. It's not Job. It's Job. And in the story of Job, Job's this like rich guy. He's a godly man. He has lots of money. He has a big family. Everybody loves him. And throughout the book, you can see that slowly he loses everything. 
His whole family dies, he loses, except his wife, which don't think about that too much. Uh, he loses all of his money. His, he gets like this weird skin disease, I'm pretty sure. But um, so Jonah starts becoming angry with God. He's saying, God, why would you allow these horrible things to happen in my life? I mean, I've been faithful to you. Why would you allow this injustice to happen to me? And um, God doesn't respond for a while, but eventually he does. And I just want you guys to, um, we're going to read God's response to Job. But I just want you guys, if any of you are struggling with not understanding something about the way the Bible is, or maybe you're in a situation in your life where you're confused why God would put you in this situation, I just want you to pretend like God, <clears throat> God is saying this to you. So let's get Job chapter 38 there. It says, Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind, Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man, because I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. It's going to be a little long here, but I'll stick with me. Um, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determined its dimensions and stretched out its surveying line? And what supports its foundations? And who laid its cornerstone as the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? Who kept the sea inside its boundaries as it burst from the womb and as I clothed it with the clouds and wrapped it in thick darkness? For I locked it behind barred gates, limiting its shores. I said, this far, no farther will you come. Here your proud ways must stop. Have you ever commanded the morning to appear and caused the dawn to rise in the east? Have you ever made daylight spread to the ends of the earth and bring an end to the night's wickedness? As the light approaches, the earth takes shape like clay pressed beneath a seal. It is robed in brilliant colors. The light disturbs the wicked and stops the arm that is raised in violence. Have you explored the springs from which the seas come? Have you ever explored their depths? Do you know where the gates of death are located? Have you seen the gates of utter gloom? Do you realize the extent of the earth? Tell me about it if you know. And this can seem like a little, quite a harsh response from God. But oftentimes in situations in our lives we, where we don't understand why something is the way that it is or why it's happening, um, we forget that God is God and we aren't. We don't get to decide at the end of the day. And as you can see in this, there's so much more complexities to the universe than we even understand. Like, it goes for four more chapters just naming things like that. It gets kind of boring, but, <laughs> but it's so much more com complex than you understand. So who are we to question God? The truth is we know so much less than him, and he is infinitely more knowledgeable and wise than us. So if we're going to get around this, we're going to have to trust in God when we don't understand. Let's learn from Job's story. Um, let's not question God. Well, I mean, it's not bad to question God, but it's bad to um, accuse God of not being all wise and all powerful, assuming that somehow you know more than him. So we have to trust in God when we don't understand if we're going to get around this, because there's going to be a time in your life where you're going to go through something that makes zero sense. It's just how it is. So it raises some questions. When you get in a position in your life where you don't understand what's happening, are you going to trust God? And maybe you're already in a position like that. And ask yourself, are you trusting God when you don't understand? Part of the truth is, you can't grow as a Christian without learning this lesson. Well, you can't, I'm sorry, it'll stunt your growth. If you, we don't learn this lesson now. And um, the third implication of submitting to God's will, if we're going to be a part of his plan, means sometimes we're going to have to do things that are painful. Um... 
if we look at the story of Peter and Jesus, um, part of Peter's fear was he was afraid of the pain of losing Jesus. This was one of his closest friends, and he spent three years with him. But, I just read my notes wrong, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, J Peter was afraid of losing Jesus, and that's a real fear. Um, think about the disciples. Um, the disciples spent three years with Jesus, and just this random guy that came out of nowhere called them into their life, and then they were like, fine, I'll follow you, whatever. And then eventually, all 12 of them, except one, got tortured to death. Except one, who just got tortured. He survived. And, but that tells you something about how amazing Jesus must have been. They were the closest to Jesus, and they thought that Jesus was worth being tortured to death for. So how amazing do you think he really was in person? Like, would you get tortured to death for some random dude? No. So that tells you that Jesus is worth the pain. Jesus is worth the pain. And there's two types of pain. There's natural pain, which is kind of uh, what I consider good pain, and then there's unnatural pain. I'll talk about natural pain first. And so in order to grow in your life, you need to go through pain. Think about um, your growing pains as a child. You wouldn't have gotten as tall if you didn't go through those growing pains first. It's also like training. If you want to grow your muscles, get bigger biceps, you first got to tear down the muscle before it can grow. And that's how it is with your faith in Jesus. You cannot grow if you don't go through pain first. And then there's the um, issue of unnatural pain. This one is kind of hard for me to figure out how to talk about this because I know there's some of you that are going through real pains in your life, and I don't want to minimize it. But in Romans 8.28, it says that— uh, Sorry. It says, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So if you're going through real pain and real hardship, we can trust in God that he's going to work all things for good. And we can hold on to this during painful times. It's, it's, what, it's what can get you through those times. If you don't trust in God, you're not going to be able to get through those times. This is why they say that your faith is t um, made, or sorry, your faith is tested. I can't remember. I, I didn't have it on there. I thought I would remember it. I didn't remember it. Um, but I also want you to understand that pain in your life isn't God actively sabotaging you. He's not causing the pain. Pain is a result of sin. And he actually sees the sin and he turns it around for good in our life. He takes the brokenness and makes it good. And so that's what we can trust God. And he isn't sabotaging you. He's actually working for your best in your life. God is working for the best in your present, but he's also working for the best in your future. So that means sometimes in the present, you're going to go through things that are painful, but it's the best for your future. And so we can trust God with that. It's the same story with Job. Job didn't understand why he was going through something. And yes, it's because it's complex, but also God has a plan to use that for your own growth. So if we're going to submit to God's will, it means going through pain. And I've said some stories of um, people who uh, are—I told the story of Jonah, the story of—there's a little bit about disciples, and I also talked about—what uh, was the other one? Job, yeah, Job. <laughs> Those were not necessarily the best examples of what having faith in God looks like, or sorry, um, submitting to God's will looks like. And you know who's the best example, though? It was Jesus. Yes. <laughs> Um, Jesus was willing to submit to God's will even to death on a cross. 
So if Jesus can do this as creator of the universe, then we surely can obey him as sinners. I mean, Jesus came to die for you, and he didn't even have to. He's, he's far greater than us, and we, we don't even deserve it. So if God's going to give us grace as a free gift, the natural res- response should be, okay, Lord, I'll obey what you tell me to do. I mean, like, it's just na- the natural response. And all of you in the room, like I said before, you all have the choice. You can either follow what God wants to do or what you want to do. And the truth is the rest of the world is living for themselves. If you aren't saved, you're living for yourself. Just being honest. And at the end of the day, it's not going to, whatever you try and do outside of Jesus isn't going to work. Um, we were designed to, we were made to be with God. So anything else is just going to leave you feeling empty. So you can keep playing this game where you're searching for something, but it's never going to work until you go to Jesus. Jesus says that he is the bread of life, and whoever goes to him will never be hungry again. Whoever goes to him will never be thirsty. Um, What happens when you are hungry and you eat food? You feel satisfied. In the same way, if you're searching for purpose and meaning in your life, the only way that you're going to be satisfied is by the, the bread that Jesus is. The same way that bread satisfies your hunger, water satisfies your thirst, Jesus satisfies your soul. And that's why we can actually submit to Jesus. Because if, if he wasn't worth it, then why would we go through all this pain? At the end of the day, um, if you choose to follow Jesus or don't choose to follow Jesus, you're going to go through hardships. The problem is if you're not going through it with Jesus, you have no solid foundation. As soon as you go through something that's hard, you're immediately, your world is shook. That's why we say that God is our rock, because in the hard times, we can lean on to him. You're supposed to lean on the good times as well, but that's not the point, sorry. (laughs) Jesus is your rock, and he's the reason why we will not, or you're, (laughs) he's the reason why whenever you go through hardships, we can remain faithful to him. Um, So, I've said a lot of things that make it kind of sound like there's a bunch of rules and hardships you have to do if you're going to be a Christian. But the truth is, the most fulfilling life is the life following Jesus. I already said that you're never going to be satisfied doing anything else. And that's the truth. Jesus is the only way to satisfaction. And so we can take that to the bank. (laughs) Jesus satisfies our soul, and that's why we should submit to him. Um... Another part of submitting is, how are you supposed to submit to God when you don't understand if you don't trust him? You have to trust in God. Otherwise, when things get hard, you're not really going to have anything to hold on to. So if you're in a situation in your life where God's telling you to do something that you don't want to do, trust in God. When you're in a situation in your life where you don't understand, trust in God. Trust in him when you're going through pain. And God is actually worthy of our trust. Um, If we look just at that first passage, when Jesus said that he was going to be crucified and raised three days later, what happened? It happened. So when God tells you something, that means you can trust in him for it to actually happen. So when God says that he's going to take care of you when things get hard, you can trust him. When he says that he's going to bring you true satisfaction because he's the bread of life, you can trust him. When he says that he's going to take—I already said that one. Where's the other one? Anyways— we know most of the promises, and if you don't, you can read the Bible and see it for yourself. 
But when God says something's going to happen, it's going to happen, so that's why we can trust in him. And so now I'm going to ask you this question. What is God calling you to? And are you obeying what God's called you to? In the same, maybe you're like Jonah and you're running from God and you know he's called you to something and you just need to turn back and pray and repent to him so that you can be released from that. Maybe you're going through a situation in your life where you don't understand what God's doing. I encourage you to turn back to him, submit to him, and trust him. Whether it's a sin pattern or God's calling you to break up with a girlfriend or a boyfriend or he's asking you to leave a friend group, just give it all to him. He's worth it. And you can trust in him. He's, like I said before, he's the way to true life. So he's worth giving everything up for. Even if it's scary, painful in the moment, you don't understand, it's worth it in the end, okay? And I believe that God is doing big things in this youth group, as I said before, and you can see it clearly. And the only way that God's going to keep doing big things like he has been is if all of us are humbly submitting to God's will. That's the way we can create an environment where he can work. Okay? I went a little faster than I expected. I did it this morning, and it was uh, around 35 minutes. So I'm going to have the band come up. But you guys sit down. I'm, I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. Like I said before, if, I, if you're going to take anything out of today, I want you to take out the point that if you want to be a part of what God's doing, you're going to have to submit to him. Jesus isn't going to let you be a part of what he's doing if you're half in and half out. It's not how faith works. And uh, I just want you guys to close your eyes for a second. Everyone close your eyes. It's going to be okay. What is God calling you to do? Think about it. If you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit in you, and so you should feel something. What is God calling you to do? Maybe, what is he asking you to stop doing? What is he asking you to start doing? Maybe it's reading the Bible. Um, there has been a Jesus club started and, uh, at the Clear Falls, <laughs> and the— sorry. There's a Jesus club started, and that's scary, but they obeyed God's will. So what areas in your life is God asking you to submit to him? And I encourage you guys to get prayer if you, um, if you need prayer for getting over an addiction or sin pattern or whatever, or if he's calling you to do something that's scary. You can open your eyes now, sorry. You can open your eyes. If God's calling you to do something scary, I encourage you guys to get prayer for it. Um, I'll be in the corner if you guys want prayer. If you don't, if you honestly have no clue what God's calling on your life is, just ask him. He'll tell you because I'm sure there's hundreds of things we all could be doing ourselves. So, um, we're going to sing this last song now. Let me pray us out and we'll sing this last song. And you guys can come up once I finish praying, sorry. All right, Lord, Jesus, I thank you for what you went through on the cross for us. You were the ultimate example of what it means to submit to God's will. I pray that in our own lives, Lord, that we would submit to your will, that we'd be aware of what you're calling us to, Jesus. I pray that you would bring freedom from sin, Lord. 
Pray that you would call people to do great things in your name, Lord, that you would bring people out of what they thought was possible, that you would eliminate fear, Lord. Pray that if people feel any pressure on their soul and they feel like they need to give up anything, pray that they would just run to you, Lord. All right, in Jesus' name, amen.